what is one solid tip you guys have for specifically players to better prepare themselves in between sessions? Derek? My tip is just prepare for the next session of D&D. I don't... Because either I'm going to say prepare your spells or prepare your book but no in general it level up if you're expected to level up because yeah. i have forgotten that too many times and it is a headache and when- and have an understanding of what your class does really put in the time to figure out what your ability does when it recharges how it like what kind of save it is if there is a save involved right and that exasperates when you get to spells yeah, it's okay. This all comes down to be accountable for your own shit because the DM has one million things to remember and you have like maybe seven things to remember. Yeah, I, I bowled it down. I saw Dan write this in and I went, okay, I fucking know this. I've, I've got my list. All right. It's very easy. Learn your spells and your class features because it's not my job as a DM to do that work for you, which is what you said. Yeah. Dan. And then my next one was what Terry said. Do your leveling up and you roll your hit dice and shit because you just got a long rest in between sessions and whatnot. Crunch the numbers before the session starts. No one wants to wait for you to roll your D6s before the DM says what happened last time. And for the love of God, (laughs) do the scheduling yourself. The Dungeon Master is already the referee and running the enemy team. They're not running the arena and making sure that all of the snacks and rides and timetables line up. Any other player can do this and I've got too much other shit to do. Tell me what the day and time is and whether or not I'm bringing beer or chips or pizza. Just let me fucking know someone else do that lifting. Yeah. Please. Yeah. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on Dungeon Master Tips. I'm Adam and with me today are Terry and Daniel. And this episode Ooh. is called Midweek Content. Tools of engagement. I don't like that. What? It's Dan. Daniel's when I'm in trouble. Da- you Daniel's full named? Dan- like, someone calling me Daniel just feels weird. It's no, man, Dan. when you're in trouble with me, you're fucking Dan. Must be sure. nice to be full named. My mother gave me a nickname as a real name, so I'm not even Terrence. I'm just Terry. <laughs> we actually had a big discussion about that the other it's day like with someone. It's like calling your child Bill. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, we have previously covered a lot in our conversations on Dungeon Mastering. We've talked about prepping for both your campaign and your upcoming session, how to create villains and horror, how to utilize different campaign styles, where to steal inspiration from in pop culture, and what to do when a player character dies. We've gone over our insights on dealing with problem players, attacking the character sheet, and giving out non-standard rewards. And of course, there were five episodes that broke down all the different condition effects and a couple episodes on running mob monsters. You can find all of these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into our entire playlist on Dungeon Master Tips that we built there. This episode, though, is going to focus on a topic that we get a lot of questions about through our social media accounts. We've mentioned midweek content more than once in previous episodes, and it's finally time to dig into it. Before we get started, guys, as a general rule, when you are a DM, do you like doing midweek content? Um, Historically, no. I don't like doing midweek content and it's while it is very efficient and it can move on storylines uh, for particular characters, which I do enjoy when I am that character. I also really enjoy the role play and the town time part of the game in person. I like to play that out. Mm. I don't like as much. I go to the shop and pick up 
a ladder and then go away. Because I would try and build... It's like any mystery novel. What you expect to find in the office as you climb the building is likely not what's going to be there. So I like to do it like that. So I, I like to include that within the game because it gives me an excuse to put a scenario in that situation. I mean, my DM style is... Uh, I guess could be best described as well-intentioned. Um, so I go... <laughs> That's brilliant. That right, that that came in with the best intentions. All right, that is the fucking clip. Uh, Right now, I I sit there and I'm like, yeah, man, I I want to engage with my party. I want to have intricate backstories that I could then infuse into the story of this grand, uh, mythic level story with you guys. I I want to do midweek. We could do character developments, which could include romance and tragedy and despair and. Um, and then I sit down at the session and I go, that's a lot of work for me. I've got 18 million other things in my day to get to. I'm 10 minutes before the session starts. And I think I have an idea what kind of monster they're going to fight that I told them about last week that I just forgot about. Oh, shit. So I like doing midweek content as a DM because it helps kind of focus my mind and keep me on task. But it can also be incredibly overwhelming if you don't approach it correctly. Um, and... A lot of DMs out there don't have a guy like Brad that you could just pull the ripcord and dump a campaign on, which I've done to him twice. About so, to be three times, let's be honest, Brad. Uh, uh, possibly three times. Yeah. He, I am currently DMing another thing for him, and he mentions it at least every, once a week. Where he's like, when am I DMing this one, Dan? You're not. I got it. Maybe. When, when he breaks, let me know. I'd like to be there. I want to see what comes out of that. When it, when it goes, when it's, that grenade it's, goes it's off. It's one of two things. It's either going to be a grown nerd crying... Or naked murder. Yeah. My money's on B. My money's on the naked murder as well. Yeah. There's yeah. something. There's little signs of something every now and again. And I'm like, well, that's not fucking normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love you, Brad. He's great. You. He's a, a, you know what? I think we point these things out about people when we recognize true goodness in others. And we're like, we're not having that. No yeah, way. How dare, how dare you be like beautiful and good and like pure morality is a fucking illusion i will tell you that (laughs) we don't even use alignment charts anymore and okay no for me i love midweek content as a dm it keeps me focused Mm -hmm. i get to flesh out the world and think about things and relationships and backstory and the reason the world is the way it is when people start to ask me questions as a dm i love it but for everybody else they're going okay what the fuck is midweek let's actually jump into it so What is it? It is basically any communication between sessions, which is usually done through online text or in-person conversations. It is in-character role-playing and or player decisions, like I'm going to go to the shop to buy things, or I want to go talk to the barmaid, or I want to whatever, whatever, whatever. You want to investigate this one little thread for yourself, yeah. You picked up the spell book, you want to know what's in the spell, and so you do it in character. Right? It's not just sitting there saying what spells are in it, right? Or can I buy a plus two sword? That's not what this is. It's about actual role playing. It's very specifically about in world content. Its purpose is to flesh out the world for actual world building with the other people at the table. This is why, as a dungeon master, you should open it up. And remember, as a DM, you're in control of this. But you need to have engagement coming back to you in order. Mm -hmm. And it takes two people to role play. Otherwise, you're just a crazy person on the bus. So this is good for character building, especially early on when there's an NPC that's just joined the party for the first time. Or you have someone who wants to train up a sidekick. 
or um, we've taken a long rest and we're going to sit around the campfire and everyone's going to tell their story. Okay, great. You do that, everyone should jump in on that in the midweek content if it's just an info dump, right? This is for opportunities to do role-playing and to learn without necessarily getting a full encounter going. The moment that you start to get into encounter territory, you might want to be doing that live at the table, right? Um, This is also about bridging the gap. A lot of times there are time jumps that people rely on as well, where, okay, everybody's going to get back to town. We're going to, you know, it's going to be three months later and then we're going to pick up next session. This honestly is the hardest part about midweek uh, for me is filling in that three, that three month gap or that three day gap or that one week gap, whatever it is. Like your guys are back in town. I, as the DM will just let you know, nothing is happening for a week. Fill out that week. Right, and we could do that in between. We are starting a week later. Fast forward, and I don't mind being meta about that as a DM ahead yeah. of time. That is going to get us to the next interesting part of the story. Right. And frankly, anytime that you watch a movie or a TV show that flashes two weeks later, that is a meta commentary. There, no one in the world is saying that. Mm-hmm. They need the audience to understand that in order to follow the plot. I have no problem saying that. A lot of DMs don't like to do that. They will sit there and say. So what do you do on the Tuesday? Uh, what are you doing on, on, on the Wednesday? Right. And they know they got 20 days to burn through. Why are you dragging this shit out? Just yeah. say, hey, you guys have this much time. Are you crafting? Are you shopping? Are you building dealing your, with your guild? or yeah, building right? your keep, building your town or your tower or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, when you hit tier three and four, especially in a homebrew campaign, downtime is going to be necessary because a lot of that shit that you want to do, the big heroic shit, like if the wizard's sitting there saying, I want to build a tower, this is when you do it in midweek. You don't make the rogue and the bard and the fighter sit there twiddling their thumbs for half an hour as the wizard says, I think on the third level there will be some sort of magic rug, right? Like you know that the wizard wants to do that. Yeah. So you take care of it in midweek. This is also the opportunity to flesh out relationships. When you take on the apprentice or the sidekick, or you want to get invested in some sort of romantic relationship, I'm telling you right now, no one else around the table gives a shit listening to you go on about, well, what kind of cafes are there for me to take them out to? And Waterdeep has how many nightclub establishments that we're talking about, right? Yeah, nobody no, else. No gives one a wants shit. to sit there as you pub crawl. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of players out there that want to do that. This is also a time, by the way, as far as relationships go, this is also the opportunity for you to do a lot of your occupational stuff as well. Hey, I've started my own guild, or I'm going out to just steal at the market. If you are the rogue, the thief character that's going to go do this, the mastermind who's getting their contacts, or the person that rolled in in session one with, I'm a pirate on a pirate ship, but... I'm going to go off with you guys over there, but the pirates are going to stay docked for me to interact with. Okay, well, this is when you interact with those pirates. Yeah. Because nobody else gives a shit unless it starts to become relevant. And that's the big key for me as a DM is to say, okay, and Dan, you'll recognize this because you do a lot of midweek from a player's perspective for me, is I will say, that sounds like a great idea. Put a pin in that. We will get to it in the next session. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I guess means that midweek is not necessarily midweek. For some people, it could be mid-two weeks or mid-month, depending on how often you meet for D&D. But it's anything between sessions. So what's it not for? Homework. 
It is not homework. And I have learned this the hard way. The sheer number of handouts that I've given out to people will be like, hey guys, I just need to know who your nemesis is and what affiliations they may have and do they have access to magic powers? And what's the one thing in your backstory that you would have with your nemesis? And I'm telling you right now, I'll hand that out to a table of six people and one will bring it back. It's Dan. And it's Dan. It's Dan every <laughs> it's time. Yeah, it'll be me every yeah. time. Um, but and and like I have a joint backstory with two other people, and I'm dragging them on, kicking and screaming, like sending messages out, going, "I'm making these decisions." And then I get messages back going, "But, but that's not what I had in mind." I'm like, "Well, then tell me what you had in mind, and we can work it together." And that's part of midweek as well is this creating process yeah. with other players. We'll talk about it in, in a little bit, but side chats away from the DM is super important. These kind of conversations that you're having are normally between just you and the DM in a private chat or in a private conversation, but there's no reason it has to stay that way. I've successfully run it with two or three players at a time, or the whole group does it without the DM as they're scheming and plotting against the enemy, right? Yeah. We got up to the higher levels in our last campaign, and, and we had our side group uh, side chat that was just like the lot of us, where we would just be like, okay, so... Uh, this is happening in this town and this is happening in this town and Dan wants to do this thing with, uh, you know, finding his daughter and, you know, Terry's got to figure out this with his God and, uh, you know, Megan's got to find her dad's ghost and suddenly put it in. A, how are we, what is our order of operations here? And like, we work that all out. And then you, Adam, come to us and be like, so guys, what's the order of operations? And then we can come prepared and be like, well, first we're doing this. Right? Invariably, Dan changes the plan last minute. And everyone else goes, what the fuck have you done? <laughs> and hands get thrown in the air and they all start stopping. But, but ideally... If they didn't want me to change the plan, they wouldn't have left the space for me to answer. <laughs> if you're not playing with Dan, this is a good opportunity for you to come up with the plan ahead of time. The other thing that it's not really meant for is side quests. And if there's a mandatory side quest, like you've got to go to the tower to get the thing before you can leave the town... Do that in session, and if it's only meant for one or two players, they've split the party, then maybe you only have a session with one or two players, mm. right? If we play every Sunday, why don't you guys come over on Thursday night for a couple hours, we'll toss some dice around, and we'll get this side quest done, yeah. right? That's not something to do midweek through a series of chats and whatnot. I don't like rolling dice during midweek online chats. You can, but I don't like to do it. So... One of the most important things is knowing your players. I would say that that might be the most important thing. First off, how are they going to interact with each pillar? Because there are some players, like Dave, he is not a strong role player. And he knows this. He's actually trying to become a stronger role player, but it is a weak point for him. He's great at the combat and strategy. He likes to explore the area and figure out the clues. But when it comes to role playing, he literally said, I don't need a backstory. I chose a barbarian, so I don't need to think. That's good to know for our upcoming game, because I will just roleplay at him. I won't force <laughs> him to do it in return, but I will just do it at him. <laughs> Dave made the mistake with our current campaign of having a joint backstory with me who is playing a furball bard. Right. Who was just all like, hey, you, we're, we're doing this thing now. I need your opinion. And Dave's just like, uh, 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 break it. No, no, in character, Dave. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Like I, I got my southern accent on. Like you can, you can, you can bring it up here. Come on. So you need to know who is going to be a strong role player, and not even if they're strong. Do they just like it? Do they prefer it? Do they want to do it? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Megan drives me up the fucking wall because she swaps back and forth between I'm going to and she's going to. 
She can't keep the freaking prona, the first uh, or third person going. That sounds right? like she probably plays with diff- different games with different groups that do it differently. And yeah. so she slips and, into habits. And video games too, where you are playing, you are playing Mario. Yeah. But not from a first person perspective. Even if you are behind him mm-hmm. from the first person, like when you're a first person shooter in Call of Duty, you're not playing as you. Yeah. You're playing as the soldier, right? And so a lot of people who play video games have trouble swapping into that I perspective. And um, she, even in the span of a session, I'm going to point this out now, and Dan's going to be like hyper aware of it yeah, now. Th- thanks for that. Yeah. But she will swap back and forth throughout the session. And it drives me absolutely crazy, especially during midweek play when I don't know what I means. Does that mean that I, Megan, I want mean, to yeah. do this or I, the character, wants to do this? Uh, yeah. So, I bet it's different groups doing different things. Yeah. Another thing that you need to know about your players is their skills, features, and languages. Now, you don't have to know this shit, but I find that you learn it really quickly. When there's one-on-one midweek content back and forth, you learn what specific role-playing skills like a mastermind would have as opposed to an assassin. There are some features out there and some the way that some spells work, like anything charming, right, or um, any sort of enchantment effect. Those all have very specific wordings. That I don't fucking know. It's not my job as a DM to know. But the third time that Dan wants to cast suggestion on a group of people as a bard, I will start to figure that shit out. Especially if he's got 100% of my attention. And I'm not sitting there with Dave or Megan or someone else chomping on pretzels and talking about how fucking warm it was on Tuesday, right? Another really important thing is the boundaries. Now, obviously, you don't cross people's boundaries. But in midweek session... When you do your session zero and you say, what are everybody's boundaries? What lines are we not going to cross? And everybody tells you what they are. And there's one person there that's like, hey, you know what? I'm really grossed out by anything to do with hair. I just don't like hair. Please don't. Like, coughing up a hairball makes me want to vomit. I just don't want to hear that shit. You're like, well, you shouldn't have played a tabaxi. But okay, we'll, we'll keep <laughs> moving on. But now that person's not at the table. You're having a one-on-one conversation with someone else. You can explore those fucking themes now. I mean... Use your common sense still. Yeah. Right? But it means that kind of the weird outliers... I've got one player at the table who was grossed out by swarms of bugs. And specifically requested, no swarms in D&D, please. And I said, ha, no. But I will keep it to a fucking minimum and it won't be bugs. It'll be bats or rats or something. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. But if I've got a midweek conversation where Dan wants to go down into the sewer... And talk to the kobolds that are living down there. Then I can talk about the swarms of beetles yeah. and shit that are down there now. And I don't have to worry about those boundaries. Mm. So it actually frees me up a little bit in some ways to have conversations as a DM. That that makes me think in session zero, it's also good to know what the DM's boundaries are for that type of thing. Because you as the DM, you're a person, right? Even though we don't view DMs as persons. We view them like we view Especially lawyers. Adam. But, but, but you get to that midweek content... And whatever your boundary might be, you don't be like, okay, I've caught a goblin. Let's cut this bitch's legs off now. And you're like, whoa, that's not for you as the DM. As a DM, instead of going, just the legs? You monster. <laughs> where are we talking? Mid-thigh? At the knee? Mid-shin? Like, are we just the ankle? Like, where are we talking for First, the- you hobble them with the maul. And then you start cutting shit off. Because they may still be holding on to the idea that they may heal one day. Wow. I read a lot of Stephen King. Yeah, I, I, could, I could tell. Anyway... The idea here is when to push those boundaries and you can actually get into it a little bit. It's, this is also the opportunity for me when I'm dealing with players. I ran an entire fucking relationship with Jamie. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, no when to fade to black. Yeah, but because Jamie is... How can I put this delicately? Jamie is not afraid of rated R content. No. I think I, I said that pretty delicate. Yeah, that, yes. was, that was political, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, okay, so he's not afraid of rated R comment. So when he's fucking his bronze dragon wife... Yeah, and yeah. and that should happen. And I have absolutely zero fucking boundaries or limits. I am like, okay, sure, yes. When you're doing that, what, right? And so, uh, please finish the conversation here. I'm I'm almost done. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> no, so so as we're going back and forth with this, and he starts to dig into the well, I'm going to take her on a date. Nobody else at the table cares, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be able to get into the okay. Do you pull the chair out for her? What do you do when you walk into the place? And his idea of a date was actually like sitting around a campfire and telling stories of his tribe. And like, because he's a barbarian. This is what he does. Great. She's a historian. She's interested. But how do you tell her? Are you sitting on opposite sides of it? Are you offering up furs around her shoulders? As you're like, I'm sitting there trying to get him to think more in character. And it actually softened the character of Boar a little bit to some characters. Um, <laughs> not all of them. But... It gave him the opportunity to be a little bit more um, vulnerable in it without other eyes watching around the table as well. Yeah, Terry's sitting over here with his uh, half-work CrossFit chick. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing to keep in mind too, and we're going to touch on this a little bit, is knowing when to stop. There are some players, like you two specifically, You're welcome. who have said to me in the past, I'm super interested, I want to keep doing this. But it's Thursday and I've got a fucking thing done that I need to get done by Friday and I just don't have time to get into it. My Saturday's booked. So can we just speed this up, wrap it up, summarize, or spend three minutes before the session when we're together wrapping this up so we can move on to the next thing? And then we go from being granular and specific to being more general to get to the next point. Yeah. Right? So that we're not leaving things just kind of half-cocked and, and up in the air. Which leads me to the idea of consistency. It is super important to be consistent with your midweek content and i mean consistent to the world that you have built and what the players are expecting you've got to be clear with everyone at the table that midweek content is available but remember it's not mandatory i'm going to send out a blast message you know the day after DD and say hey look remember we all said that this is what we're going to do in the downtime if anybody wants to reach out to me we can but we're not going to cross anything off the quest list we're just going to do world building and, and whatnot. That way, when Dan comes back and says to Terry, hey, you know what? I talked to this NPC and I got a couple of potions over here and I sharpened my axe. So, you know, when the whatever ooze knocked it down to a minus one, it's back up to a plus one. And Terry's like, why the fuck did I not get any of that shit? I want to do it too. Yeah. Right? The moment that Dan starts going down this road as a DM, I'm sending a blast message out to everyone saying, hey, Dan is doing this. Does anybody else want their weapon sharpened? Who else needs potions? Keep everyone on the same page so it's not favorability. You're not rewarding the people with the availability and interest. Everyone wants to play D&D. Not everyone has the availability and the experience sometimes. I know new players would panic if you're like, so, in character, tell me all about yourself and what do you want to do in town, (laughs) right? This is... A good opportunity for you to get into the idea of personal secrets and and personal prophecies and whatnot, but it's not a good idea to get into that for group secrets or good prophet or like group prophecies mm-hmm. as well. Uh, we ran into that a lot with you, Dan. It's one of the mistakes that I made in the last campaign is you were just desperate to be looking through these 
crystal balls and talking to people oh, yeah. and and you were like getting NPCs with gods yeah. and NPCs were dying and you would show up at the beginning of the week and say, hey, you know what? I found out this, this, and this, but this NPC that is an ally is now dead. And everyone else at the table goes, what the fuck? Yeah, they're very upset that this happened. You didn't consult with us. And so you're technically, every time you have one of these side conversations, splitting the party. Yeah. Which is a little disrespectful to the rest of the party if they don't know what's coming. Yeah. What? So. Disrespectful. <laughs> so one of the things that I like to do is to keep clear notes for myself. So that everybody else is on the same page and they can read up on it. Maybe I send it out the night before the session. Or, you know, there's a Google Drive with a bunch of information in there. You guys can check in on, yeah. on what happened. Um, it's available if you remember to check in on it. If not, well, that's on you. I have I've also, in my midweek content with my players, um, informed them that they should be taking really good notes about what we're going through as well. Um, so if you're a player on the player side of that... Make sure you're taking incredibly good notes with it because you will forget shit. And then when you're trying to disseminate that information that you've gotten back to your party members and you start spouting off stuff that's wrong, because I've done this before at the table. I've had to correct you. I found out this grand plot thing and you're like, no, 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 you got the wrong wording, Dan. It's not a grand plot thing. It was a joke. Fuck. Okay. So uh, be very clear with how you're putting these things down and make sure your player is is clear on what you're trying to the point you're trying to get across with it. Clarity is so freaking important. That is why you should always recap all of the midweek content at the beginning of the session. I start off every one of my D&D sessions with, so guys, what happened last week? And then I usually look at the least social person in the room, the one that doesn't talk that is the quietest and say, "What happened last week?" And they will go, "Um, well, there was, and then someone else who's really comfortable and really excited will will take over. But it includes Hi. a lot of people. Yeah, that's that's me asking Dave what happened last week, and he goes, ah, "I rolled a nat." So we what we did is strong. we did the <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. Dan comes out of his shell once he's at a table. Dan kicks the fucking door open and goes, "Huzzah! <laughs> Forsooth, we are playing Dungeons and Dragons." <laughs> once I'm done this recap at the beginning. I then say, okay, and what happened in midweek content? And we roll initiative among the people that engaged in it that week so that everyone has a turn to bring everyone else up to speed. And I, as a dungeon master, am going over my notes that I've kept, making sure that everything they're saying is correct. Because remember, if I go off for two afternoons, Dan has a slow day at work and I'm working nights, right? So between 2 and 4 p.m., we have a two-hour session of just Dan and I going back and forth, back and forth. And then I say this and then he turns to you and he says this. And then, okay, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to, you know, talk to that person to see if I can get them to convince this person to do. And Dan gets real intricate with it. I will then miss the midweek content that I did with Megan. Or James or someone else. And so I have to keep regular notes. I also went on full drug trips in midweek content. And Adam was like, here's a bunch of really weird gifts. Just like, this is what you see. And it's just some psychedelic trip. I fucking love drugs in the game. I should have said that sentence much faster. As soon as the last word said, I, I love drugs in the game. We did it in your Tuesday night group, yeah. Adam. And the drugs in the game. The drugs and no, just we all dropped acid before we started playing. That was I've it. done Turned that. The lights it's, it's not as fun as you think. <laughs> 
Uh, but but it's great because it's a whole avenue to explore and there's loads of stuff that can come from it. My little sidebar, I love drugs in D&D. It's really good when you've got gods that are watching too. So I always use, I always have, my drugs are always psychedelic. Yeah, that's There's what no I mean. point in getting stoned, right? If you're going to get drunk, I'm going to get drunk like, and hit on like the... herbs fuck, and stuff yeah. is what I'm interested in. Yeah. Don't just Mad- be shooting up in the L- middle of water deep. Li- literally, literally magic mushrooms. That is what you're looking for, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when that happens, you've opened up your mind to the multiverse and shit. And Asmodeus is looking back, right? Like there's always something else going on there. There's an angel or a beholder or someone. You got you got there. you got tentacles uh, erupting out of your throat. That was one thing that happened to one of the NPCs. Yeah. Um, there was one as Sorry, well where Dormant. where he started to look over to uh, deal with them with the Mother Nature God. And ended up his lungs filled with dirt, and he started to cough that up. As, Wait, who was that? That drummered. was drummered. Drummered. Right. Yeah, I, I put the, I put that poor diviner through hell trying to get it. Like, but you didn't like drummered, right? No, I mean he was a dick, but uh, he was also a very good diviner, and I was in a I was an inquisitor rogue. Like I was very much the private eyes, the build I had with Lockie. So I was just constantly chasing drummered around and being like, "Hey, look through that rock for me." But this was a really good example of something to do in midweek content because the other players weren't interested in Dan having a four-hour conversation about prophecies with a diviner. But prophecies were a part of the campaign, and Dan's character specifically was more interested in them. If Dan is trying to figure out, is my daughter alive, the other characters don't give a shit. And they don't want to sit there as, you have to try, you have to try 13 <laughs> times over 13 days using a different school of magic from yesterday's. Try a different spell through one of these four talismans. And it's a puzzle. I built this thing for Dan to do. Yeah. And everyone else, is he's got these huge notes. Everyone else will be sitting there twiddling their thumbs. This is an important character building moment. It makes the world bigger and deeper. And there's these huge ramifications personally for Dan. And it leaves your sessions open to be for the party. Rather than a highlight on one specific character for an hour. So, you mentioned gifts a minute ago. So, I want to talk for a moment about the different tools and methods that I've used in the past to varying degrees of success. First and foremost, I will always, always, always go online. I do think that you can do it in person, but you got to take notes while you do it. I used to do uh, midweek content. Jamie and I worked together um, in the, not the last campaign, but the one before that. And so, we would sit down at lunch over fucking Chinese food at the food court or whatever and he was like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I would sit there and say, yeah, okay, sure. You you train with this guy, and he's going to put you through a number of rigorous tests or whatnot. Bring a D20 to work tomorrow, right, so we can roll a couple of skill checks and so on and so forth. And we would go through this stuff, but I didn't have notes. And so we would show up, you know, three days later to D&D, and he would say, oh, yeah, my skill in this is now has now bumped up by one, or I have advantage the next time I do this. And I go, is that where we fucking landed? Was that was that really what I said? I guess I will have to take your word for it. Especially if it doesn't become relevant for seven or eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I like to use Messenger, Discord, or WhatsApp. My preferred is Discord. Every single one of them has a search feature. So you can look for keywords. Additionally, the thing that I really like about it is I get to drop pictures. Oh yeah, you're going to talk to a guy and the goblin's going to look like this. And I'm over on Pinterest grabbing a screenshot of something, right? Just to give that little extra bit of inspiration to this one player. It doesn't matter. If the whole party walks in two hours into the next session and they meet the same goblin, one player there 
has an idea in their head about what this goblin looks like. I'm going to describe the goblin again to everyone else around the table, but it's a little bit more real to that one person. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't really like using Instagram, and I think it's impossible to do with TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't even, yeah, I wouldn't even consider it, yeah. I know that some people use Reddit or Google Docs or OneNote or one of these just to just to have some sort of documentation of maps or NPC profiles or things like that. And that's all well and good for databasing and documenting, but it's not good for chat and conversation necessarily. Do you guys have any other insights as to... I mean, when... Why did you like Discord the best, Dan? I like Discord the best just because it... Uh... I can organize it far better. Um, like I could set up separate separate channels with my players. So like um, I'll have a channel for like me and Brad to have a conversation. And then if I need to have a conversation uh, in midweek with Brad and Johnny, I could bring those two in and we could have a, a three-way there. Um, so it's it. I, I find Discord a lot better. It also has a far more superior search function to find... It does. Uh, text documents that are handed out and stuff like you mentioned sometimes some of the stuff that comes up in midweek is not really relevant until months later in the campaign and then you kind of pull the cover off of the mystery and you go hey this thing you got that hint before i'm like shit right i need to reference that i could go to discord search it find that document quite easy meanwhile you're scrolling for 10 months to find it on messenger, on messenger or uh I, I and i don't know whatsapp at all I don't use it in any way, shape, or form. WhatsApp is good because it allows you to do a whole bunch of other side conversations as well. Um, the other fun thing about WhatsApp is you get to put timers on some of the chats so that some of the messages will disappear after a day. Oh, okay. So when you give a no. riddle or something and you say you have 24 hours to solve this riddle. Does that work for picture messages as well? Yes, Terry, it does. God damn. What kind of pictures are you sending that you need the... Mind your business, what kind of pictures? <laughs> the, 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 there's half more kind of cross pictures. Oh, cross, half more cross, cross pictures. So, with all of these different tools for this, I, I really recommend... I know people that use emails for it as well, because a lot of emails have good yep. search functions. Um, and if you're on Roll20, or you're on uh, Foundry or Fantasy Grounds, like those systems have built in a lot of good note-taking and solo conversation um methods the other good thing about some of them is that you can roll dice directly on them instead of what i do which is require a video of a die being rolled right you can do this now no. yeah God, it's so good now i'm always the last one to find out about everything covid really pushed a lot of these like internet uh tabletops oh, like yeah. digital tabletops forward quite far foundry it actually in advanced my... a lot of things COVID yeah <laughs> uh, foundry in my opinion is the best one out there it's far superior to did you guys hear that wizards is going to be releasing their own virtual tabletop they said that at fourth edition i, I believe when i said I it. well they tried they in fourth now. edition and it was just utter horseshit but it's what seven eight years later the technology's come quite a bit yeah i i'm Curious to see how it will interact with Roll20 and or D&D Beyond. But it will be a proper Wizards product. And I'm curious to see what, what this is going to look really? like. I think it's going to be mostly maps. Map building and initiative tracking and whatnot. And tokens. There'll yeah. be tokens for stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, and of course you'll get to buy packs online. A new book comes out and you can buy the new Icewind Dale pack with all the maps and all that. That's not a bad idea. No. No, no it's all. It's so, not. No, but, it's all that shit. But I would still recommend having a Discord or a, a Google Drive even for yeah. for some databasing purposes. 
Yep, absolutely. I really do think the Discord's probably the best, especially because you can do phone calls through it for clarification's sake. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, Jump on an audio channel if you need to, anything pronunciation or anything like that, right? Yeah. And you can control who has access to which chats in it as well. And Terry, for your purposes, you could also do video chats through Discord as well. Really? Yeah. So you, you're twerking and whatnot when you practice yeah. with the masters that you found around the internet? Yes. So I like Discord. I'm coming around to Discord. I think for a while there was a lot of different platforms that for a while did a very similar thing. And it was just your preference of whether you're using Messenger or WhatsApp or Discord. But they're breaking away now and getting better. The problem with me is I'm always... I, I shouldn't say I'm the, I'm the... It's not that I'm the last one to find out. I'm the last one to investigate these things. As people no. are getting excited by them... I'm always slow, but I'm learning this lesson. Another thing that COVID's been positive with is it, it hurried these things along. So now I'm linking and syncing all these things together as well, and it, it is good. Yeah. The other thing about Discord is if you care about your internet footprint and your own personal security, it is far better than Messenger and WhatsApp. Oh, for well, that's because both of those are owned, owned by, by Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. And so it's owned by also whoever Facebook sells it to. Yeah. Right. So, um, whereas your information on Discord is it kind of crowdfunded almost, like the, right. the servers for Discord are out there. It's kind of cryptocurrency level of stuff as well. So mm. it's it's far more secure. It's not perfect, but nothing is. Yeah. No. But um, okay. So just to summarize so far, midweek content is online or in person communication between sessions, usually done in character for role playing and in-character decision-making. We do it for world-building, character-building. We bridge the gap between sessions, and we flesh out the relationships that we have. It's not for doing homework and forcing your players to do things like mandatory side quests or, or anything else. That's the thing about it. It's optional. And it always has to be optional for all the players, which means it can't be world-altering information. This is about the detail work. Yeah. You need to know your players, including their level of engagement, whether or not they like to engage with role-playing specifically, and things that they might know, like languages that would be useful for you to know when you're building these little interactions for them to have, because they're not encounters, they're interactions. It frees you up a little bit with boundaries, but you also need to know when to stop and pause, when it's going to have more of an impact on the overall story, so that you can pause it and then pick it up before the next session. You need to have your notes, and you need to be consistent, which relies on you being clear and making sure that everything is above board. Even when there is a secret or a prophecy or something, that means that the other player that you're dealing with, or players, if there's multiples, understand the exact wording of what you mean. Mm -hmm. And there are a number of different ways, um, like Messenger, Discord, or WhatsApp, uh, to be able to use to keep this going, whereas things like subreddits and Google Docs and OneNote are more um, for databasing and and keeping a, a kind of visual uh, history of. I like Instagram for journaling what happened. My personal Instagram was simply like, look at our maps this week yeah. for the longest time, right? So let's grab our dice, guys. We haven't rolled initiative yet this episode. What? Before you roll. <laughs> you raised your hand as though you were going yeah. to roll. Don't um, worry, Terry. It happens to everybody. It's all right. You could always just throw the dice a little bit early. It's good. What's your preferred method of engagement with midweek content as a, from a player's perspective? You you told us you like Discord from a from a DM perspective. But from a player perspective, what's your, what's your favorite and why? I got Ten. a nine. I got a 17. I, uh, Discord is, is superior for me as well. I do like to have Google Drives that are available for people to go see what 
NPCs look like when I steal random people's art offline um, and say, hey, the, your fat chef looks like this, right? Um, but that lets me take a picture of a mini or maybe I can sketch something out real quick and take a picture of it and drop it in there. Um, the room that you found looks a little like this. That's what Google Docs is for, for me. OneNote is like that for a lot of people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they're both free, which is nice. I love OneNote. It's this. It's essentially yeah. the same thing. Yeah. But uh, no, as far as the chat and the actual engagement, it's Discord. Uh, Discord. I'm all over Discord now. It took me a little while to get... Not that I had an issue with it. I just kind of rolled with it because that's what everyone else was doing. But I explored it a little bit more and I really like it for all of the reasons that, that we've just mentioned. But I also love... Uh, Google Drive as well. I like having those images accessible in one place where I know it's going to be because I really get sucked into this stuff. So Adam, when you send me an image and you're like, this is Morgan, the beautiful woman, JK, not really, she's a hag, whatever that I didn't know at the time. I'm like, how did you not know that they were hags? Because I don't know things. <laughs> we get to the My island, job is to be pretty. A bunch, <laughs> a bunch of like beautiful women come to welcome us on the beach, including one that they're calling grandma. And you're all like, hey, beautiful woman. I'm like, hags. They're fucking this. Adam gets me like, every time with stuff. You know, and sometimes I know it's a trap, but I'm just like, it's worth it. It's worth you it. just yeah. dangle a bikini in front of Terry and you're good to <laughs> go. Chain mail or not. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just like interesting thing so whatever people wrapped do, in very small pieces of cloth but, you know i like whatever people do is their thing i don't care whether you're hardcore crossfit or into tattoos or you've got blue hair and john lennon glasses or you got freak or the bimbo look whatever you're doing what and i'm sidetracking anyway my my thing is discord that i like and list I like. other kinds of women terry <laughs> i'm talking about that <laughs> Back to it. Don't sidetrack me. I really love Discord. I like Google Drive because I Google Drive because more than pictures of women that Adam sends me NPCs. <laughs> this is gonna rye. NPCs. But no, the okay the maps. The the, the, the other thing that I do is when there are homebrew weapons or items that are magical or whatnot, they have special effects. I will create a different Google Doc in the drive for each one. So that in alphabetical order, you can just scroll to yours, open it up, and say, oh, this is how it works. And that's what I was saying just then. And we also, like, we run NPCs at our tables slightly different than other tables have, where quite often the players will be in control of NPCs in combat situations or crisis situation or whatever it is. So often with our NPCs, we'll have stat blocks with them as well. And one of the things that we have done is we've, with the, you know, the character art and the backstory or or rough, like, notes of who is connected to who, we have a, like, picture of a post-it or of a index card with, like, stats and everything on it. Right. That we can then refer to if, okay, well, someone needs to play as Oful. Like, she's an old woman. She's running for her life from a bunch of Medusas. Someone needs to play Oful. Right, and uh, Adam doesn't want to run all of the Medusa as well as. There's no point in you watching me play monsters killing NPCs. Yeah, yeah. I will play their decision making. She's gonna get panicked and turn left down the alley. Yeah. What skills would you like to use? Grab the dice you're most comfortable with. Yeah. They're not in dice jail. And roll those, and hopefully you can get her through this scenario. And also, as a DM who has been known to be a bit brutal when it comes to just slaughtering NPCs left, right, and center, um, it removes some of the blame on you for getting NPCs killed. True. Look. True. Look, there have to be stakes in Dungeons & Dragons. Yes. Right? If 
I can't kill the party. God knows I try. Yeah. But 5e means that I can't kill them. If I can't kill the party in order to feel those stakes, and I don't want to kill the characters, right? But Not it, all the characters. Well, I, I like to dangle danger in front of them, and the best way to do that is to kill someone else there. And I don't mean the beloved NPC, but when you walk into the crowded market, four NPCs will get fireballed. You never know their names, but one of them is a child and the mother is now screaming, this shit is real and the danger is up. That is how I run my my NPCs. And that's I and I love that because I approach D&D the same way I approach Tinder dating, which is if there's no risk of one of us dying, then why am I here? I have so many Guys, issues with that sentence. Sometimes I look sometimes I look at Dan to see cuz you're like the the face of the internet to me. No. <laughs> like how are they I'm sorry take, internet. How are they going to take it? Not that I'll know cuz I'll never check. But I'm sure I assume it's usually <laughs> fine. <laughs> Okay, guys, let's grab our dice. Holy shit. And I want to ask, what has been your best experience with midweek content? Okay. I got a four this time. Nine two. Dan, what was your best experience as uh, a player or a DM with midweek content? I had a uh, trip with a dwarven woman on a cliff as we, like, we had just... A drug trip. A, a drug trip, yeah. Uh she offered me some drugs and I was like, I've never had these before. And she's like, okay, we'll just have a little. So I didn't. I had a lot. And Adam used that opportunity to um, not only strengthen my bond with this group that we had stumbled upon where we were aggressive towards each other, right? And kind of... You managed to smooth things over. We'd already made a tentative piece. Yeah, it was, and it was very tentative. So I got really, really high with one of the dwarf women. Was this and, in the bay where the, yeah, the yeah, bolts were? Yeah, where the mimics were that yeah. uh, I got stuck to. Came flooding back. Yeah, and I almost, I almost died due to a keg mimic because I was like, I was so high and strung out that I was like, I need something to drink. And you all didn't there was die. Was no, right. uh, Megan saved my life. They say you remember and then, the way you want to. And then immediately. <laughs> berated me for about 25 minutes straight how I needed to be more aware and I was just like you're a fucking human paladin yeah. I'm a I'm a gnome rogue who just got strung out and got like prophecies and weird uh, messages and um, these weird visions and stuff I found a, put into I found brain. a gif of a black background with a single eye that had black eyeshadow and eyeliner on and so it, there was nothing and suddenly an eye opened and started to look around and, and it was really creepy and I, so I sent Dan, like, oh, you see static, and then fancy colors, and then something 3D is happening, and then all of a sudden this eye is watching you. And he went, what? Yeah. What? And I, like, rapid-fired gifts at him. And and uh, that was the time I decided that Lockie was into dwarven women, was because of that interaction. Before it was, it was before that, Lockie was a devoted family man who was just out and would never be interested. But then I was like, nah, man, debauchery, fine. He has a thing for dwarven women. And then Adam... Proceeded to give me like six dwarven women. Guys, no, there were six dwarven women NPCs, and Dan was like, I must have them all. It's Pokemon. We rip on Terry for being a pervert, but he's really not half as bad as Dan, Jamie, Brad, or Adam. I'm always the third joke, is what I've noticed. Maybe the second, but I'm not often the first person to say the thing where everybody goes, God damn, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, sometimes I'll say it because I know that re- I'll get yeah. that reaction, but not because that's actually what I'm thinking. And I'm always, like, the second or third person to go in. But everybody thinks I'm the pervert. I am not. Adam, what's your favorite? Uh... Secret pervert. Secret pervert. <laughs> yeah. My my best experience with um, midweek content 
would have to have been the role-playing of this relationship between Jamie's barbarian and this human scholar, who was secretly a brass dragon the whole time. And I knew it, and he he didn't. Nobody else knew. I had handed out all these index cards. There was a town full of people that needed rescuing in session one. So I handed out all of these index cards to everybody except this one character. And nobody tweaked on that because I didn't want to hand out an index card that said, secretly a brass dragon because I wanted a big <laughs> fucking reveal. So then Jamie decided, and I, and I showed everybody in the Google Drive, I showed everybody pictures of all of the people in there. And a lot of them were um, elderly children or women, because all of the men had gone off to war and none of them had come back, and now these people need to be escorted out. And she didn't know anybody else in the town. She just happened to be stuck there when this quarantine hit, and so everybody needed an escort. And so Jamie was like, okay, of all of them, there's one woman roughly my age. I'm going to see what's up with that, because I'm a beer-swilling barbarian. I rolled for, for dick size with my dice. and like, How did you get his voice so, so, so dead on? Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been practicing the mirror. That's, that's what that is. It wasn't one instance. It was him saying, I'm going to roll persuasion to see if she'll sleep with me. And I said, go ahead. And he rolled a 20, a natural 20, with like a plus four to persuasion. And I said, she laughs at you, gets up and walks away. But she does turn around and look over her shoulder at you in the doorway before she shakes her head and walks. So there might be something there. That's with the, that's with the nat 20 because it's not an auto success yeah. right. for a skill. And he's being a crass dick. And she is a scholar from a big city as far as anyone else knows. She's actually a fucking dragon, so you're not going to win this. Yeah. So he said, well, there's a little something there. I'll try again tomorrow. And so every week there was downtime in between sessions, right, where we're around a campfire because we were on a pilgrimage, right, to, to get to safety. And so every single week he would try again. And every single week he would either fail and she would get upset or he would super succeed. Because you know that's how dice go. It's a, it's a 19 or it's a 1. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's nothing. Nobody rolls a 7 in D&D. So when nobody he, knows what to do with a 13. Anyway, yeah, so. exactly. So, <laughs> so he would either fail spectacularly and she would still turn around and give him a little bit of interest, but shake her head. And in my head, I'm like, if he keeps fucking up, she's going to leave. But it has to be a consistent thing, right? They are stuck together. And he wants this as a player, so I'm going to make him work for it. By the end, he was picking flowers. He was sitting there and calling her my lady. Like, he was bending over fucking backwards. Fucking cringe. Oh, Internet, don't do the my lady thing. No, no, no. But, but for the barbarian level of, of D&D, he was trying to be knightly. Yeah, yeah. he was. And so he, there was suddenly this idea of, um, of honor and chivalry. Which hadn't been there before for this barbarian, and that's when he learned more about his character being honorable. Jamie plays, role plays, and sticks to his character better than almost anybody I, I can think of. Yeah, like, and he's dead so invested. Yeah. He, yeah, he is, it, and and he gets super into the game, and will and will get ups, upset with things time to time. And but that's because he is so invested. Uh, and I know the internet doesn't necessarily know this person, but Jamie sticks to his character. Better than anybody. will always answer in character as well. Hmm. And so what he started to do was in session say, okay, I'm going to go make sure that everybody is safe as we're camping for the night and I'll take the first watch. But I'm going to end my rounds talking to Kyla for a minute. So sure, roll roll a persuasion. So he would. And I'd say, okay, it goes well. She smiles at you. Everyone else around the table is like, what? But that's all he needs because he will come back to this later in the mid-session. And slowly over the span of like four or five months... We built a relationship. They ended up getting engaged. She got pregnant. There is now a half dragon walking around this world um, because of this. And so, and his character has gone missing. So there's this like weird 
subplot in my world now about this half-dragon who's hunting for his long-lost father and his mother who was brutally murdered. There was a big investment now for this beer-swilling barbarian that just wanted to get his fuck on in session one, right? That, for me, was the best payoff I've ever seen. Yeah. My best experience with midweek content was Adam actually introducing me to midweek content and, and helping me get my head around it. Because at first, I remember I had a very busy job at the time, and I... It was fairly new to D&D, and D&D for me was that one time in the week where I break and I focus on it there, and then I go away and I don't think about it. Yeah. And so when it started to come Now in, he does a fucking podcast. Well, now he does a podcast <laughs> and fuck everybody. Yeah, but, but when I, I brought it He does it fuck in, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Well, I mean, if you take care of yourself. You've never asked. In, in these days, i got to be careful. I started a furniture business for you. And I'll need two pieces of ID, sir. <laughs> Um, credit cards count? so at first I, th- I think you were so used to midweek content that's what you do and, and, and it came in uh, like quick boom 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 there you go what would you like to do where would you like to go and I was like oh my god I don't have time for, I, I don't like I, I'm interested but I fucking I've got this presentation and life right and then you started to help me with you can either like give me options right you can go direct to the point tell me overall what you're trying to achieve i'll do the work or we can slow it down we can role play it as we want and kind of showed me that there's different ways to do it and also that i can change that as we go through if there was a week where i was like hey i don't really have anything for three days if you want to flesh this thing out you're like go nuts let's do it but if i'm like i'm all week i'm going to be unavailable I'm, I'm minute to minute the full week. You were cool with that as well. You might just ask me, say, hey, think about these one or two questions over the next week. Give me answers for them. Give me 48 hours notice and I can make the rest of it work. So my best experience with midweek content was being introduced to it for the first time and how to do it properly. And then it just took that anxiety for it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no right answer. Yeah. There's no, which means it's, it's no right answer. There's no wrong answer, right? Just sit down and work with the people. That's what we say. Know your players so that you can accommodate their needs as you go did you hit record yeah go ahead so as some of you have noticed obviously dan and i launched a bit of an informal side project where we go through one of the dungeons and dragons publications at a time and determine the pros and cons and our overall thoughts and the first one we did was icewind dale rhyme of the frost maiden we went over almost every page covering moderate spoilers for the adventure without giving the ending away we covered things that interest players or may be useful to Dungeon Masters to get inspiration from. I always love going through the monsters and the items and the player options. I really enjoyed seeing all the different forms of the Frost Maiden and investigating everything about her frosty layer to her maiden head. Dan? What the fuck, man? I need you to take these commercials way more seriously. I show up every time with the utmost professional attitude. Ah! What? You? Professional? Yes. Professional what? Dick? At least I'm not an amateur dick. I don't... What? I, what? What? What is your problem? What's an amateur dick? Well, I don't know. Obviously, by definition, it's a dick that doesn't get paid. Does your dick normally get paid? I mean, it should. Well, I'm not sure that Canada's ready to reintroduce the penny, Adam. Go fuck yourself, Dan. <laughs> it should be getting paid in pounds, if you get what I mean. You can pound pounds. it on your own time. We're trying to record a commercial. Okay, anyway, dick... We're going to periodically continue working our way through new releases as they come. Gross. As well as discussing some of the published material from Wizards of the Coast that has already hit the shelves. There's a lot of info out there for 5th edition, but not every DM or player knows which book to pick up next, or what to expect from an adventure module. 
After all, there's some great additions to the library. And then there's, well, Rick and Morty versus D&D. This series is going to be sporadic and unscheduled. So keep your eyes out for these and let us know if you agree with our assessments. We hope that you'll be able to use the series as a guideline for which books deserve your attention for your own personal needs as a D&D player. But keep in mind that they're going to be full of moderate spoilers for the adventures and they aren't meant to tear into specific mechanics or stat blocks. As we go on, you'll be able to find previous Legend Lore episodes in a playlist on our YouTube channel or check out the episode guide to see what books we've already covered by looking at the post on r slash it's a mimic on Reddit. Now... Let's get back to the episode, shall we? Fuck, one of these days we're going to record a normal fucking commercial. I highly doubt it. Well, whose fault is that? Mostly yours. Disagree. Okay, so we've kind of talked about what it is and the ways to go about it. But let's look at some of the reasons. Because there are people that are going, well, I'm not going to fucking do this, right? Yeah. Or, oh yeah, I've got a good handle on this. But there is some nuance. So let's get into it really quickly. Let's talk about some of the strengths of doing midweek content. First and foremost, like we've said over and over again, you will get deeper engagement with the players that engage. And the players that may not engage at first may have their schedule free up or suddenly get invested in something. They just want to know what the things on the map you gave out meant. Or they'll see, and and this is something that happened with uh, me with a couple of the other players who, like Terry, had no real experience with midweek. But they would start to see the stuff that I was bringing to the table and been, and like we did some midweek just for personal and they would see my characters grow through it. That made them want some of that as well, right? So it, it wasn't, you know, game altering stuff. It was character altering stuff. And by the end of it, everybody had a flesher character. Megan was just playing blonde, heroic paladin. That was the entire character description. By the end of that campaign, there were battle wounds and, and dilemmas that have been gone through, soul-crushing Traumas. instances. Yeah, loves and friends that have died and come back to life. Like, it was, it was intense. But a lot of that was done through midweek because she thought, you know what, I can't get into this. I'm going to, no. to invest a little bit more. So they end up having more fun because there is deeper engagement. We all love our D&D characters, but you guys know in session one, you sit down with a stat block and a dream. And that's it, right? It's it's numbers and a vague idea of what kind of cloak they're wearing. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, you're like, okay, I love this character. Is this really the last session? Oh my God. Yeah. Right? It also allows you to zoom in on some of the really little details like what's in a shop. A lot of the time people do shopping for midweek content. You see a lot of that like, hey, you guys get back to town. Next session, tell me what you want off of this list. You know, table A in the DMG and whatever you can find in the player's handbook. If you can afford it, let me know. And and that's fine. But in real midweek content, you let them walk into the store. There are three aisles. Down aisle one is. And then you can break it down. Have them go exploring. Do investigation checks. There's a giant barrel filled with blades. There's at least 40 in there. Give me an investigation check to find out if you can find the plus one blade in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it is. I, they're going to roll and I'm going to sit there on a random table and say, okay, it was a rapier. I am a barbarian. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> okay. All right. But <laughs> fair enough. Pick, so right? there you go. But you get to zoom in on the little bits and pieces. Also, when it comes to I, the idea of building a fortress or a keep, you can get into the minutia of that. Are there escape routes in the back yeah. and, and so on and so forth? 
how many towers are there? Like, is there a lookout? That kind of stuff. My midweek outside of, because, I mean, if you've been paying attention to this episode, you've noticed a lot of it has been, well, with you, Adam, we did. Um, my midweek and other groups, uh, separate from you, has usually been focused around building our town or our keep or our tower or something like that. Um, we played a rehash of the Keep of the Borderlands, where we were building an entire settlement for ourselves. And we had to like hire druids who were building walls and we were drawing maps. And that's what we were doing for our midweek. And it made those characters stick on our minds so much better, right? Because now we had a town that we had built. And you guys were writing up a new character every four sessions. Yeah, pretty point, much. Right? Yeah. The other thing it does is it lets me put in additional plot hooks. We know, I know you are going to come to a fork in the road to go right or left. There will be a signpost that says to go this way or that way. Dan is going to sit down and talk to the goblin artificer that's traveling with you. And he's going to say, I really want to go this way. But Terry's going to sit down and talk to the dragonborn wizard who says, I really want to go this way. Now the dilemma has weight instead of right or left. Yeah. It allows me to throw in not additional plot hooks, but to make the plot hooks that are coming hold more weight. It also gives you the opportunity to say, hey, you can only save two NPCs in this fight. Four of them are in danger. Which ones? Instead of just looking at which ones are um, mechanically useful, you're looking at which ones matter the most emotionally. Mm -hmm. And that is a more rewarding experience for your players. It allows you to really, like we've talked about, flesh out relationships and whatnot. And we don't just mean romantic. It's the easiest for us to talk about. But sidekicks. You had a character, Tilm. Tilm was... Tilm, shit. Yeah, that's right. Tilm was a human paladin uh, who was desperate. She was just like this scrappy young girl who was coming up. She was like 22 and in the town guard. And the town was just destroyed. And she was the only remnant left. And Terry, you were a you were a general now of this mm. new town that you guys had founded, and a, a champion fighter, and so she wanted to be your squire essentially, but she was already on her way to being knighted, and you guided her through that. Yeah, I did. And that was there's nothing romantic there. You you already had your half orc CrossFit chick over in the corner, right? That's right. Specifically, we keep saying that because that is how you described her once, and I thought it was so funny. <laughs> the follow up question was, what color are her nipples? That was from Jamie, though, and that was a huge argument at the table about what color are half-orc nipples. They're darker. They got just darker. a darker green. We, yeah, we ended actually... up rolling on a table. We came up with a turquoise. Yeah, I wasn't happy about it. Oh, no. I'm yeah. not happy about that either. So, anyway, you can reach Dan here to talk about, <laughs> yeah, exactly. about the color of half-orc nipples, because he is Oscar the Orc. Yeah. So, anyway, you had this Tilm character who was absolutely... In the background, just a just an afterthought for everybody for sessions and sessions and sessions. And then suddenly there was the, you had like a free week at work. And like, yeah, I like to train somebody up. Yeah, I like a sidekick. And I said, here are your options. And you focused on Tilm. And she was like, she saved a handful of people in the last session where everything was turned into shit. Everyone was getting turned to stone. You know, ceilings caving in. That's right. People are dying. And Tilm was a fucking super unit. What happened to Marzeray? She was... Yeah, see, Dan had a fucking sidekick. See, now I remember, yeah. I forgot about Tilm, but then, but now I'm ashamed that I forgot about Tilm. I haven't said the word Marzare in about four years. I know, you get so into these people, but then you want to go and tell everybody, and they're like, I don't care about your made-up person that you trained. Was Marzare <laughs> the one, like, her and the paladins were taking care of the egg. Of the egg that was Jamie's about to be born, half-dragon. Right. In the last session, they stayed back to take care of it. Because I had, I had old man Rezu, right? Yeah. And, yeah. 
Tilm got turned to stone in the end. And in the next campaign, they rescued her and she got free with, with Titus and everybody. Thank God. So, so she is... Is, is our midweek episode of the podcast just going to be a reminiscing? completion for our midweek content threads that are loose? <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm going to be doing it all midweek. Is Titus alive? Is everything okay? Okay, fine. Um, well, I mean... Uh, Everything's different. Everything's different. So we're, um, we're circling back to this. <laughs> so one of the boons for me as a dungeon master, one of the real strengths for this, um, for running midweek content, is it made me slow down and be very specific with my descriptions. It was no longer you walk into the throne room, get to the point. The guys need to get to the prince to have the argument so that we can go off to do the battle with the. It was you walk in and there are ornate golden statues over, and I can build an entire paragraph. And no one detail is more important than the other. Dave likes to do the, you walk into a room, there's a giant painting of a battle between dragons. The gold dragon has sparkling eyes. That's what Dave's... <laughs> because you're supposed to go interact with the gold dragon thing. Like he drops out the, because it's it's the video game like sparkle or shit. Yeah, yeah, I hate that shit. I love um, Dave, but I don't think that. It, it, in my head, it's the Scooby-Doo where you can tell what in the background is going to be interacted with because it's a different color. It's a different yeah, color, yeah. Rest, oh. Right? So, but when you're in midweek content, you can drop all that info in there and nothing stands out differently than anything else. So you can bury details and it does make it more fleshed out and people will pay attention. Especially, I okay, so I'm guilty of dropping dozens of paragraphs at a time on people. But when I know that Dan is online looking for the next thing and he's got nothing going on at work this today or is particularly slow and I know I can see the little green icon beside his name, I'm like, he's watching. I'll drop a paragraph at a time. So here's, here's three sentences. Here's another two. Here's one sentence. And it looks a little strange. And then another paragraph of, of another four sentences. And I'm waiting for Dan to interrupt me to say, I want to go over and look at that. Right. Instead of... You've, you've also done the thing where like you'll send me a joke and you've, you've told me you've done this. You'll send me a joke and the speed at which I respond to that joke. Like if it's a, you send me the joke, the punchline, you get an FFS from me, like a for fuck's sakes. When it's done immediately, you know, okay, Dan's on. And there's the thing you have prepped that uh, you have prepared. Yeah. You have prepared that you just copy paste back over and go. That's brilliant. Oh yeah. That's the other thing. It involves dragons. I have written all of this stuff in a notepad on the side, right? And so I'm sitting there waiting to see Dan's level of paying attention. And then I will either hit him with an overwhelming amount of text or I will copy and paste and wait for 10 count and copy paste again, slowly dragging him in to this scene. But this allows me to drop clues yeah. and additional info that, that I can turn to Dan later. And when he says, do I recognize this tome? I will say, something rings a bell when you were in this town there's a vague memory of there being a green statue and in there that is the same as the imprint on the front of the cover here. And now Dan's whipping his phone out and scrolling and doing searches to try to find this information because it's there in the midweek content for him. Right. But there is always a but. As much as there is an upside to this, there's also a downside. And that is, as you can probably tell, this takes time. A lot of time from a DM. I'm fortunate that I can sit in front of my computer all day and devote half a brain to this and type it up as needed. And people know when we're in the middle of a conversation, suddenly the conversation stops. I just got busy. It's the same thing with my players too. I'm not going to be butthurt that they suddenly no. disappeared. Right? This is why I say know your players. Understand their level of engagement. Right? Terry, you used to drive a lot for work. So you'd be back and forth with me. And then 
suddenly gone for an hour. Yeah. And now you're talking again. I'm like, oh, he, he swapped locations. Yes. That's, that's what that was. That was yeah, yeah. So it takes a lot of time management just getting into the proper headspace. And not every Dungeon Master has the opportunity to do this. I used to set aside one night a week to really dig into whoever's paying attention. We played on Sundays. So Thursday evening, while I'm eating dinner, I'm going to sit down and make sure that all of the plot lines are wrapped up. So the first three or four days are going to be everybody saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. We'll role play as much as possible. But on Thursday night, I wrap it up because Friday I do my prep. Saturday, I chill out and, you know, drink. And then Sunday, <laughs> we play. Because a lot of the time I find myself retooling for the session. I had a huge plot hook for Drummerd. Dan then fucking murdered him. Selfishly. In, in, in my defense, Avalim murdered Drummerd. I just opened the door for you don't Avalim like to dwarves, do it. You've told me before. Pardon? You don't like dwarves. You've told me before. Uh, Drummerd was an elderly human man who just. Who was the dwarf? The dwarf that I got killed. I'm thinking of somebody else. You're thinking of the archmage. Yeah, uh, the archmage. Uh, uh, Borgin. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. The other thing that I find really, really, really hard to manage is power creep. I love rewarding my players for doing things, especially role play and having strokes of inspiration. Mm. So, hey, have this plus one item. Have this item that means you don't get to sleep overnight once. And now the person that did all of the midweek stuff is super powered. And everybody else is sitting there going, I still have my leather armor. It's hard to not give those boons. So you really have to think outside the box and give payoff. If people are going to invest this time and if you are going to invest your time in this, Make sure that the payoff is clear. You have to be very, very, very clear about the expectations and outcome. And say that just because you walk into the store and start digging around in midweek does not mean you will get a plus one item. And nobody else does. That's not what this means. This means that you may get five silver piece discount. Or your party now has a good relationship with this shopkeeper. And the next time you blow through town, you can walk in. And if you remember this secret handshake, you can wow the rest of the party with it. And get 50% off. Or sell back goblin ears or whatever it is, right? Another thing that is really, really difficult to manage is the agency of the players. Because, at least for me, I will monologue. I will just go and go and go and go and go. There's one specific instance that comes to mind where it went totally off the rails in midweek. Where Dan was playing a dragonborn paladin who was hunting down someone who he thought was a murderer. Oh, yes. Oops. A, there was a gnome who was an archbishop. And so this paladin's hunting him down and gets up to his office and goes to hit him. So Dan says, I'm going to pull out my sword and I'm going to hit him. And I said, okay, great. Go ahead and hit him. And so Dan did. Just as this gnome archbishop is about to teleport away, Dan crits and executed the fucking gnome. It was The gnome had four hit points. You can't Dan did 12. Dan's cancel culture. Oh, so Dan, Dan, Dan said no to the Archbishop. So that was a case of not understanding the agency um, that was there. Dan didn't know what else to do except attack in this moment. Yeah. Right? Because it was not clear what the different avenues were for him to be able to interrogate this guy and ask the questions. Because the guy seemed real guilty. This is also, by the way, uh, the reason why Lockie was a gnome. Because after I murdered that gnome, Adam turned to me and for like two or three sessions afterwards because it got out to the rest of the party and everyone in the party was like, Dan just hates gnomes. Like, look at Rezu, he just hates fucking gnomes, right? He <laughs> murdered this gnome in cold blood. He hates gnomes. And I was like, fine, fucking my next character is going to be a gnome. <laughs> and now, 
five years later, I have a reputation of playing small characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. What the shit? <laughs> and a fetish for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get. No good deed. But that brings Gnome good deed. Gnome good oh. deed. So that brings me to the next point, which is I try not to run combat. When combat is about to break out, I will pause it and say, we'll start the session with this. Roll initiative. Let's go through it. So the rest of the party sitting there going, what? And they're paying attention to find out what is happening with this. And normally that turns into some sort of, um, when can we get there to help in the combat? Yeah. So it turns into, okay, how long can you stay alive? How many rounds can your character live against this gang of gnolls that surrounded you in the back alley while you were trying to cut across town? So you always have to be clear about the outcomes, the expectations of what's going on, because it's not fair for Dan's character to cut through a a back alley. And not know that this is where it's going to go down. There are gnolls. Like, we know there are gang signs written up in graffiti. He doesn't know that until after he's down the alley. It's not fair. I need to tell him ahead of time. You can cut through the alley. It would be faster. But it's dark. There's not a lot of people. You see a weird stain on the wall that could be blood. And there are gang signs all over the place. You hear laughing from down there. Know what you're getting into. I have to paint that picture. It makes me a stronger DM having to stop and give the appropriate warnings. And then Dan can manage what he's doing, right? Whether or not he decides he's going to cast Pass Without Trace or Invisibility or whatnot. Because his resources may be dwindled by the time we start the next session. And if that happens, and that's happened to you a couple of times, Dan. Oh, yeah. um, Where suddenly everyone's like, hey, where's that health potion? Dan goes, well, funny story. That happened to us in our last game, actually. Dave split off from the party. And he was a barbarian that climbed over a pile of rocks and... Uh, in a tunnel system and found a shrine to Tiamat. And there was an altar in the middle, just a small column. And he touched it and the altar shook a little bit and there was something clearly inside of it. So he smashed it. Well, there were three health potions inside of it. And he smashed them all? And he smashed He smashed the whole thing Brilliant. without thinking. He rolled really well on his athletics check and just smash. And I said, and you're smashing everything inside? He goes, yeah, fuck that's Tiamat. All right. Okay, then. You smash that, and then he came back, and everybody needed potions. We nearly had a TPK twice, but Dave sat there, and everyone's like, it would be really nice to have uh, to have some health potions. Dave's like, yeah. Yeah. Right? So this resource management, when you split the party, is a factor, and it can come up in midweek. That's why I say it's not for side quests. It's about fleshing out current quests. So as great as I think midweek content is, there are some downsides. It's not a good time for what I call the genie wish, which is, yes, but. It's the monkey paw, right? Mm-hmm. I wish I was rich. Fine. You have all of the gold in the world, but you're, you also no longer have arms or legs, right? Like that, <laughs> that stupid fucking nonsense of this, but this, right? Not a good time to do that because they, the player at the table may not understand the context. And now you are punishing them for wanting to be engaged. This should be minimal rewards and deeper engagement, not punishing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Also, you can progress too far without the other people there. Uh, I distinctly remember one time, Dan, where you decided that you were going to go through a portal that led to a different city to hunt down a bunch of cultists, and you left an NPC behind. You ran into a room with eight, nine humans with uh, human wizards that were enemies with level four magic missile wands. Every one of them. So I can be a problem player sometimes. So Dan ran in and went, I can take them. I'm a level 16 fighter. And they went, magic missile, bitch. 
And he went, oh, that's a third of my fucking hit points. I go, what do you do? I'm going to dive behind the couch. Okay, magic missile, bitch. Uh-oh. <laughs> so everyone came to the next session going, all right, we're going to go get Dan over at the office. And they showed up at his private investigator office and he wasn't there. They're like, what the fuck? And then it was a hunt to find out where he was. And they had to burn resources to find out what city he's in and then teleport over there and then get to him as they're sawing into his head to extract his brain. I like to keep things interesting in my mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons games. I also, as much as I like the idea of having secrets and whatnot, Terry, if your character is a changeling and nobody at the table knows, yeah. we can do some role-playing midweek about what that's like. However, if you are secretly plotting to murder the paladin in the party... We can have that conversation, but I will not let you secretly murder the paladin in the party <laughs> during midweek. That I do not like it when people show up and find out that their character has been inherently changed outside of their will. Yeah, yeah, that's not cool. Double crosses. Um, Dan and I famously plotted a double cross in one of his campaigns where I murdered half the party and we spent all of our midweek for that campaign was me slowly getting corrupted by an evil magical item until I was gaining extra additional levels. I was I was building Adam to be the big bad evil guy. And I was, murdered half the party, left the rest of them for dead and then fucked off with the beloved NPC. And then Dan said, perfect, great, Brad, it's your campaign now. That was a Bad move. Yes. And, and we and have the, learned our lesson. And hopefully others can learn from that as well. We've learned our lesson. Yeah. Um, we've learned our lesson. Mostly you. My, my players learned their lesson too. Don't fuck with me. Because um, I'll, 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 I'll unleash Adam at them. Uh, <laughs> that was the campaign where I was I, I, I was a Gloomstalker rogue. No, Gloomstalker ra- uh, ranger, ranger with a level of assassin and a level of warlock. And I ran around using only items to murder everything I could find. And I'm talking like, I used a 10-foot pole here, and I set up a dagger uh, trap over there. I didn't roll to hit for three sessions. And when it came down to the final fight, I think I actually attacked twice. Everything else was just them walking into my traps. One of them was a little doll that had uh, alchemist fire inside of it, and I handed it to them, and they grabbed it, and then I smashed the doll, and they fucking lit up. But this brings me back to the idea of splitting the party and muddying the water is a real issue. And you can accidentally find yourself there where you have players who don't know what their motivations are. They will lose sight of the overall task. We're here in town to save the prince. But I've got this thing going on with the bartender over there. And there's a few contacts down at the dock that I would like to interact with. And I know we're leaving the town at the end of this session. So I won't have an opportunity to deal with them again. So guys, before we go and murder the prince or whatever it is, I got to go over here and do this and then I got to do that. And now the whole campaign has gotten weird spotlights on strange things. Mm -hmm. This is why I say midweek needs to be fleshing out and supporting shit that already exists. A lot of the times I let everyone know in a group chat what everyone else is doing unless it is a secret like I am a changeling no one else knows. Right. So, let's grab dice again. What has been your worst experience with midweek content? You got an 18. Eight. Oh, yeah, seven. Dan? Uh, the plotting against my party. At the time was fun because I got to do the slow corrupting of your character and, 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 and that. It was really entertaining for you and I. Yeah, um, but when it comes to the party, I mean, I have said multiple times that I owe brad the friggin world that man is a 
great DM and a great sport for picking up that exploded campaign from me, which I did because my life had gotten a far more complicated and, and I needed to step back from the campaign, but they still wanted to play their characters. Brad had said he wanted to take over DMing. I'm like, okay, well, let me finish this character arc first and then Brad could take over. It didn't go well. Anyways, so that was the that, that, that was the time where I learned a lot of what not to do when it comes to midweek, especially when it's plotting against other people in the party as the DM. It, it's, it's no bueno. Also killing the gnome. <laughs> you were you were pretty butthurt. You didn't do midweek content for a couple of weeks after that because you didn't know. Well, because I, I wasn't I wasn't intending on killing the gnome. I just wanted to like knock him out, and then I chopped his fucking head off. And then you were like, "Is this what midweek content is going to be? Is that the danger of me doing this? I would rather not do it. Yeah, and not murder NPCs than do it and have that be something that happens. And I I I then said, no more combat. Yeah. Skills only. Yeah. Next time, roll athletics to grapple. Yeah, I think for me, it, I've I've had pretty good uh, experience with midweek content. There's not been anything that stood out where I'm like, oh, God, that's awful. I think my bad experience with midweek content has been at times in my life when I was really busy and I was fairly new to D&D is not exploring other ways that I could get involved. You've done it in so many different ways, Adam. You can do the long paragraphs like Dan likes and going back and research. You can do a little bit of question and answers. You've given out physical puzzles. I mean, like, take that home. If you figure it out, text me. Let me know. And then we'll go from there. So you can do that in your own time. But I think when it was the first way it was approached, it was so much I didn't have time. So I just shut the whole thing down. I said, I don't have time for this. I won't partake in it. Yeah. I'll get caught up at the session. And then ended up missing out on a load of fun that could have scratched the itch midweek if I just explored different ways that I could get involved. Um, and that was coming from inexperience, right? It was just not knowing the options that I had in front of me. Um, so that's why I'm here uh, to, to let people know that there's probably other ways you can get involved. You know, it's, you know, your DM is only giving you what they think you might like. They don't know your life day to day, right? It may not be appropriate, but there's ways you can get involved. So don't do what I did, which is missing out because I just assumed it was going to be like that all the time. The worst experience that I had was I sat down with Jamie... And I asked him, he found a bar, and he, you guys were like money rich at this point, and had a whole bunch of, I think you had like 400 refugees, you're moving into an abandoned town, and he founded the bar, named it after himself, and he wanted to run a barbarian guild out of the bar while he was bartender and leader of this roving barbarian gang that patrolled outside the city for, at that point, kobolds and a green dragon were, were a major problem. And so I said, great, what does your bar look like? He goes, well, how, how much square footage do I have? So I looked up, what's the square footage in a bar? <laughs> and like, in uh, what's the square footage in a longhouse? Because that's what it was, I, like a Native American longhouse, a standard one, right? Because um, I wanted this big communal open area with a fire pit on one end, bunch of tables in the middle. I figured that's a good barbarian kind of Viking feel, right? right? And you describe it. So I gave him these, this square footage. For fuck's sakes, he... he by the inch went through that place three levels he did construction he had an etten two ettens that were doing construction on the third levels to, to get the enough bedrooms for the different people there's training area out back there was a courtyard like he went balls to the wall on it and it never came up in a session he spent three consecutive weeks building this and he was so proud of it i still have his diagram on graph paper where a square is six inches. He, like, 
the thing you put it end to end to end to end. This is massive <laughs> blueprint for three levels and a courtyard. And which magical wardings are on what parts? Where's the kitchen? Who works in it? Who's in the barbarian tribe? This is this person's room. And above their bed, they have hung. And like, there's all of this shit that's wow. there. Like, he went into those details and he was so excited for other people to explore it. And nobody else was interested in exploring it oh, because there was listen. a whole other town yeah. to go through, right? And so he got a lot of payoff for it. And I don't think that he would, he was begrudging. It, uh, it, he was when my character appeared in the bar and broke some shit when he appeared. Well, he was super possessive of it, right? Yeah. Because he put all of his time and effort into it and it had never amounted to anything. Then there was a giant plot hook where half of the NPCs got just stolen in the middle of the yeah. night. Everybody got kidnapped. And he was heartbroken that someone had kicked in the doors and raided his place and he just didn't know what to do with it. And it felt almost like, I, you know that I don't give a backstory, I don't have NPC family members because a DM will just kill them? Yeah. That was as close as it ever got to that feeling where he felt a little bit of betrayal there. And I wish, in retrospect, I should have then seen the effort that he had put in and as a dungeon master said, okay, time for a mystery, a couple of plot hooks, and some NPC interactions in the bar for everyone to interact with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the appropriate payoff. We did a lot of world building that went nowhere. And when you as a DM are asking your players to invest like that, they're putting their trust in you that it's actually fucking worth something. Um, your, your DM is only human. Okay, and they are going to give you what they think that you want. It's up to you to communicate back to them. If things aren't going, the way, if you would like to do your midweek content in a different way, or if there's, it's not convenient, or, or whatever, you need to communicate that to them so that they can adjust the plan to fit for you. Things don't often, don't always come across correctly. If it's like a text wall, for example, it may look like they're just trying to bother you when they're not, they're trying to communicate to you, or if it's not enough, or if it's too many pictures or whatever. And also if something in your life changes, like Adam, you mentioned earlier, there was times when my life would free up for a couple of weeks. So then I was like balls deep into it and then it'd have to dial back. But us as the players, we have to communicate that with DMs. Communication is a huge part of this game. If you don't have it, you're not going to get the experience that you like. And your DM is only doing what they think that you want them to do. Because ultimately their goal is for you to enjoy the game. Well, communication is an important part of the game. And that extends even to us here. If you guys want to communicate to us and reach out to us and talk to us about how you have used midweek content successfully in your campaigns... Or uh, if you have had troubles that uh, you need advice on, you could always reach us at Instagram, Facebook, or at r slash it's mimic on Reddit. Um, you could also send us very specific questions and literally no holds barred on these. Send us questions to info at it's mimic.com. And those questions you send us will get added to our mailbag uh, episodes, which we will have to answer if we roll them on the chart, regardless of what the question actually is. So, speaking of a lot of options, which we always get, you know, there's one question coming up on one of the mailbags that I am just dreading. Uh-oh. Yeah. And I've decided to put it as a number one, so we will get punished if we roll a, ro a one on one of the tables. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, there are lots of different kinds of engagements outside of this back and forth in between two uh, players or two or three players. This idea of this chat of world building and whatnot there are other ways to go about midweek content 
one of the successful things that we've done in the past was an escape room. Yeah. Where there was a puzzle that needed to be solved in order to save a whole whack of NPCs. And the idea was, however far we got through this escape room would determine how many NPCs died. And if we succeeded, they all made it through. And so me as a DM, I went through to help as well. I want these NPCs to survive. And so we went. There was a party of... Uh, how many of us were there? There were Four, five, five. five of us. Yeah. Um, and we went through. We did this escape room. And we succeeded with about eight minutes left on the clock. So it was a little bit faster than anyone was expecting. Especially because it was the wrong theme. Yeah. Well, it was That was the... Uh... We were doing a pirate campaign. And there was supposed to be a big pirate puzzle. So we booked a pirate-themed escape room and showed up on the wrong night and so they gave us the the um music yeah, we, studio we booked it for like a uh, a thursday and we we all thought it would be the wednesday so we showed up on the wednesday and they're like yeah guys you're downtown yeah yeah, yeah. and and we're all like well we all thought it, like all we all arranged our schedules like tomorrow's just not going to work guys we planned this month in advance like and so they were generous enough to let us do something else which was actually harder than the one that i had chosen the pirate one um, and so anyway, we sat down and we went through it. We won. So there was a bunch of boons and stuff for that. We all felt really good about it. And that was one way to engage in midweek content so, because there were real stakes in game for this. And everyone was working as a team. And it was a lot of fun. But there's more than that. I like puzzles. And I mean physical puzzles. I mean those brain teasers. I like those wooden block. Like yeah. how does it all fit together? Can you pull it apart and put it back together? The metal ones that are out there as well. Um, but I've got some general rules for it, like I forbid Google and YouTube walkthroughs for it. Um, and the idea here is that there were some real puzzle boxes. Or, uh, hey, you know what? Your rogue character does have all of this stuff in a sleight of hand, all of these points into it, and they've got expertise. But these are master craft locks. You're going to have to fuck with it for a while. If you can unlock this, you can get whatever is rattling around inside. And there's a little bit of the honor system where it's like, just... Do not be a dick. Don't go to Google for the answer to your riddle. Don't go to the yeah. uh, for the answer of the puzzle. Like, try to figure it out yourself. And it took a few weeks, but when it was actually completed, because I handed them out to everybody. Some people got them right away. Other people didn't. I allow time in the session as well. Hey, there's some downtime. What are you guys doing? Pull out your puzzles and fuck with them for the next five minutes. As we figure out who's taking the first watch and how many rations are you using up and what NPCs you're going to talk to. And everybody else that's not engaging in that is sitting there fiddling with these puzzles trying to figure it out. Terry's like, can I just bend it? Can I bend it? (laughs) Wood doesn't bend, Terry. So I always allow some time in the session as well. Um, but I keep it optional. There was not a single item in there that was going to be the mandatory necessary. You cannot advance without this silver key. It was you will get a potion of greater healing or there will be a potion of... And I usually pick a cantrip or a level one or two spell that would not be on one of the spell lists at the party and say, hey, you know what? Potion of animal friendship. Yeah. With, hey, you know what? We don't have a warlock. Potion of hex. How does that work? You drink it and you can hex things. It wears off in an hour. All right. You just drank it and Orcus is like, oh, you have some of my essence. Here, have this. But it wears off in an hour and then he gets bored and fucks off somewhere else. He's got zombies to make. So, like, whatever it is, I will actually build these these puzzle boxes in the world and use physical representations. I also do that with riddles. I like to hand out spell books or, hey, there's a language that nobody here can read. You have to decipher it. It's pretty difficult. Here are lists of riddles, and I will find riddles online. And then I will change them just enough so that you fucking people can't Google them. Yeah. 
Um, and I try to do things too, like I'll stick to medieval puzzles as well. But I'll hand it out to everybody and say, answer the riddles, figure it out. If you can answer for this riddle, you will learn this. For this riddle, you will learn this, right? And so you know that there's specific information to go after. The harder the riddle, the more important the information is. None of it is mandatory, but you might get insights on some puzzles or questions or plot hooks later. And if you can get all of them, then you will get an additional Ayun stone or something for that like, you read this and you know now how to cast this spell, right? And so well, I actually did this with the Necronomicon, which had yeah. every single necromancy spell in there on one half. And on the other half, it had every piece of lore for every undead creature. And then I handed it out where our necromancer in the party got the one with all the necromancy spells and our gnome investigator got all of the lore, but they couldn't share that information with each other or else they would be cursed. She was so mad at me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that. She was pissed. In real life pissed. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was legit, like, upset at me. And I'm like, I needed this to figure out how to, like, save my daughter. So my character was like, yeah, of course I'll read it. Not knowing that I couldn't share that information. And then I get to the end of the book. It's like, oh, you can't share this or you'll die. Like, well, fudge. Yep. And then, but you guys sat there and worked out these riddles. There were 20 riddles for each of you. And that took you weeks to Mm -hmm. figure out all of them, to work on them. You had group chats trying to figure it out and talking to other people outside of the game. And like, it was a lot of midweek engagement, but I was not a part of it. You guys would show up at the session and say, is it a zebra? No. Fuck. Right? <laughs> zebra. But we're moving on. <laughs> it's a zebra in Canada, right? Uh, another thing that people do is they ask for people to keep campaign journals. Dave does this with his group. Whoever writes up the best summary of what happened in the last session before the next session will get some sort of reward. Oh, cool. I've seen that at a few tables where people say, who's going to do this? I used to hand out inspiration dice. You get a D4 inspiration dice. Whoever does the recap. I do do that, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people like that. A Brad creates entire... Is it a subreddit or Google Dite? Oh, oh, Straight up created a website that uh, has the session-by-session breakdown of our current campaign. Really? Is it up to date? Uh, It is not currently up to date. He actually had a massive computer crash and he lost everything up until session two. So he's trying to put it all back together. I'm sorry, everything up until session two? So he had session one? No, he had session one and session two. And then everything after that was gone. What session are you on now? Uh, Oh, like 12? Well, you fucking slacker, Brad. Like, come on. That's so Canadian. Um, Fucking slacker, Brad. Come on, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking template, bud. Jesus, you fucking pylon. Fuck you, buddy. (laughs) God damn it, Shorzy. So um, that is one of the other things that people like to do is hand out inspiration for midweek content. And I used to do that for a little while. And then I realized that I had two people that were really engaged in it and two people that were struggling to stay engaged because their schedules didn't allow it. They wanted to be involved, but they knew that if they didn't do anything, they wouldn't get that D4 inspiration Mm -hmm. die. So it became a fucking chore in the middle of the week that they didn't sign up for. So I don't give out that level of mechanical boon anymore. But if there's going to be riddles or puzzles or something that are not mandatory, then they might get a potion that anyone can use to be blessed for the next roll. Another major way that people like to stay involved is drawing and designing. Like I said, Jamie, with this giant long house that he had done and turned into a bar. Dan, you have done many keeps and... And towns and cities and guild houses yeah. and 
ships and everything else. And then, like, I usually, if I'm really involved in my character, I'll do a piece of character art and then decide I hate everything about it and try to find someone else to do it for me. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to be just that. I've turned to you guys in the past and said, hey, uh, come up with a name for your group. And that turns into a midweek conversation, right? Yeah. Where people are engaged and they're saying, well, from my character's perspective, they don't want to be called that. They would rather be doing this. That is still midweek engagement and not something that I'm going to spend time at the table worrying about, right? Everyone showed up to roll dice and slay goblins and we're arguing about what our colors are. It doesn't fit, right? And when we've done logos and stuff in the past, it pays off. I have a dice box that you guys made for me as a gift with the emblem of that campaign that you guys had chosen for your your gang that you had built. Yeah. Right? And I fucking love it. I actually have two dice boxes that are like that. One of them was 3D printed. And one of them was like handcrafted in there with like felt. And it was amazing. I think Megan was in charge of, of the felt one. And Dan, didn't you do the other one? I did the other one, yeah. Um, but people get really invested in this. But it's a double-edged sword. I can't necessarily task you with it. I remember there was one time that failed miserably where I said, hey guys, you now have a functioning city. Congratulations, you have a brewery that and a forge and there was some farming that was being done. That's great. You want to make some extra coin? Tell me all about the trade routes. Here are the economic details of running the town. And everyone looked at it and went, this is four pages of math. <laughs> And I came back the next week going, all right, let's figure out, did you guys, could you figure out the equation enough to get the optimum amount of gold running in the background every time you come back, there's an extra 60 gold sitting there waiting in your pocket per day that you were away. And everyone was like, yeah, I looked at it for about a minute and a half and what, Terry will do it. Terry's like, Terry will not fucking do it. <laughs> so like sometimes. Uh, before I joined the campaign. <laughs> Yeah, it's a Dan joke. <laughs> well, you had you wrote a Bible, and like I showed up to session one for my session one, and you're and everyone's all like, "Yeah, there's this Bible. We haven't read it." And I'm like, "All right, I'll read it." The worst. So I started reading through this thing, and I'm like, "Oh, that's who the guy with the six fingers. That's that's what that means. The with the seven or sorry, the seven fingered hand. All right." Well, okay, and I come to the next session, I'm like, you guys probably already know all this stuff because you've been in the campaign for two years, but I found out all this stuff on the Bible and, and it was like it blew the plot open, wide open. I just remember one of our players sitting there going, Why did we not read that two years ago? We had it for two years ago, and Adam's across the table going, I know. It's been there. I know. But but that's what midweek content is. Optional clues to figure it out. You were still going to figure that shit out. It was still a successful campaign for two years up until this point. I didn't know there was lessons in Bibles. Those words. There usually is. <laughs> I know that. Um, anyway, the last thing that I absolutely love using midweek content for is ending on a cliffhanger decision. My favorite thing that ever happened in midweek content of all time, and I've been saving this, Dan missed a session. And the rest of the party went down into the sewers to hunt some gnolls and totally fucked up. You guys ended up, Terry, you'll remember this. You guys ended up in a dead end with the doors barred oh, and yeah. about 80 fucking gnolls that said you guys were level 11. And I mean, gnolls are level nothing, but the action economy works against you. You had, they're banging the door down. The wood is splintering. There's no time for a short rest even. The paladin, necromancer, and arcane trickster are sitting there going... Oh, fuck. What do we do? Well, we prepare to die. Terry, you had like, uh, you had one spell left. You're like, okay. It was burning hands. That was my plan. Yeah. You guys were going to throw that door open. 
and just burning hands the first four motherfuckers through the door and then fight to the death. This is it. And so Dan missed the session. So he had two weeks of midweek content. Going to go over here and do a little bit of shopping. Going to go over here and do a little bit of that. And he stumbled upon uh, a puzzle and solved the puzzle, which allowed him this scroll of meteor swarm. Scroll of meteor swarm, <laughs> which he then went to go catch up with the party. He had to do a series of different checks and then did it. And so we started off that session where where you and everyone else, Terry, are ready to die. Oh, yeah. And Dan peeks his head around the corner and goes, oh, shit. I reach into my pocket and pull out a scroll. And everyone was like, oh, my God, thank you. And you, no, no, no. no. Nobody said thank you. Everyone was all like, and now you fucked up more because it's a floating island city and it's starting to sink. Yeah, you, you just blew all of the, the ground. city underneath. <laughs> it's like, I just saved your guy's life, but you know, no worries. No, no, no thanks to Lockie. No thanks to Lockie. Yeah. Oh, I'm now again in Cora's bad books. Cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> but that was my favorite thing to happen because Dan had no idea that you guys were so fucked. And he was just herp derping his way through. I do a little bit of reading here. I go talk to that NPC there. And I'm sitting there for those two weeks going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, what was the plan if he didn't find that? You were going to die. Oh, okay. We were fucked. It is my job to make the encounters. It is your job to get out of them That's Oh, man. I remember that. We were so fucked. Yeah. Well, you guys had gone in stealthily and then decided to run around and get everyone's attention. Standard. Yeah, and then backed into a corner where there was a bunch of magic items, but the magic items were mundane, minor magic items that were not going to help you in a battle. Yeah, a cloak of billowing. Yeah, that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, and it was so, useless shit for it, this situation. Yeah, and then and then Dan came in and nuked it. I had no idea. I thought Dan was going to have a last stand trying to rescue his friends or find their corpses. And had that been the case, you had enough index cards for NPCs that to play those NPCs for a half a session as Dan finds the cleric to raise you from the dead. And considering the big bad guy was the goddess of death, that was a plot hook I was willing to go down. Right. Right? So yeah. so there was... That was not the end of the campaign. That was not going to be a TPK. Despite the fact that it was going to be a TPK. You even told me later on that the, that Meteor Swarm scroll, you, the way you had envisioned it being used when you gave it to me was we were eventually going to be sieging a city of undead. And yeah. they were all like, I expected you to use it then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I dropped that on you for six sessions from now, and you just saw the opportunity. Yeah. So what has been the best experience with other types of midweek content outside of role-playing? Okay. Eight. A natural one. Oh, uh, Terry, I got an eight, two. Roll off. Fifteen. I got also a 15, 15 too. Roll yeah. off. Nine. Uh, no, you. I got a nine. You got a 17. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Wrong guy. I forget how you do this. It's related to close. Um, uh, the, the best experience that was not role-playing. Yeah, that wasn't through the online chat. The puzzles that you handed out. Yeah. That was perfect for me. Took it with me to work in my car. Did it when I had some downtime. Played around with them. Uh, and when if you, if you need something flexible... Because of your schedule, that was excellent. And there was no rush on it. It was just like... When you get when, to it, you get to it. When you get to it, and when it gets done, let me know. And let's see what happens. Yeah. And uh, that, that was perfect for me. Uh, for me, it was... And this is one of the reasons why my new character is a bard. Uh, I really wanted to dive into the language of, the, of this new world that we had found ourselves in. And I had that elderly dragonborn who 
uh, found like this page that had some like that symbol correlates with this concept, which correlates with this letter and, and all that. And I was starting to break down the language and you had this handout basically and you gave it to me you're like try to figure out what you can with this and there were clues and everything there on were also side like or, parts of the document yeah. missing too that I'd... this actually springs to mind actually a better one the beginning of the campaign you handed this weird looking lines and boxes with little blue and yellow and green dots it's on Remember my that? wall it's right now yeah it and we agonized over what the shit this thing yeah. has was for so long and it's a friggin' map to the entire area that we were in it, and showed like places of power, creatures of power, and objects of power, as well as here's where the main rivers and the roads and the cities and everything were. But it looks like just a weird abstract, abstract puzzle. It's like a circuit board. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, trying to figure out these like incredibly intricate puzzles. Like I, I'm not much for like the kinetic puzzles. I don't, I'm not a big fan of those. The, the like logic puzzles and stuff, th- those are the things I thrive right. and live for. So... That was great. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. If I can be honest, the best thing that I have ever handed out to anybody was at the beginning of the last campaign, I gave envelopes to every single oh. person. And inside was a very specific message that was written, but it was in a different handwriting. It took me forever to develop different handwritings from different people, but it all had the same message. And it was, you are being summoned to this bar by these people. It is time to rescue these, this, right? And none of you, none of the characters had any investment in this. You just knew that you were being summoned. But on the on the envelope that had been nailed to each of your doors or whatever, it said, it is time. Which is just a great way to launch a campaign in general. At the end of session one, you guys were at the bottom of a underwater prison. And there was a riddle written on the wall in like a tunnel beneath an underwater prison that you guys were in with not, with a riot going on above you as you're looking to find a guy who's speaking in riddles when you finally get to him. And there is a riddle written on the wall and it says, it is a construct of the highest equality. Some wasted on business and others frivolity. It envelops all beyond every letter. To succeed in its space, one must handle it better. And the answer to that riddle is time. I'm going to, by the way, put that in the show notes so that people can steal this. But I actually have the line, it envelops all beyond every letter because I handed you letters and on the cover of the envelope, it envelops all. uh, It said, it is time. I literally gave you the answers to this. And then I sent you guys away over the week to figure this out. And I said, okay, whoever can figure this out, when we start off, we'll get a D4 inspiration die. One by one, everybody slowly figured it out because you were chatting about it in the group, trying to figure it out together, and then separately coming, is it this, is it this, is it this? And so everybody figured it out, that it is time. And I said, yep. I said, everybody, please grab your envelope and look at it. And everyone went, oh, fuck. Right? And so it was absolutely phenomenal that, like, I gave the answer and nobody knew it, that it was even the answer to a to a riddle. Yeah. That was, I think, the most proud I've yeah. ever been. That's of, awesome. Of midweek. Um, do you recommend engaging in midweek content to others then? Uh, I do recommend it because there's always something that can be adjusted for you, providing you can work with your DM and there's no you know weird uh, DM relationships or anything. There's always something that can be adjusted for you and there's nothing, there's only good that's going to come from it. 
There's no downside to doing this. As long as it's not nepotism or yeah. favoritism of any kind. Right, yeah. Barring all of those things. But then that's a separate issue, isn't it? That's not yeah. midweek content. That's a problem DM. Yeah. Or you could have a problem player. But yeah. assuming everything is ticking all the boxes correctly. Yeah, yeah. Only good can come from it. So, yeah, I do recommend it. Um. Yes. I. It is literally 40% of my D&D campaigns. I do between, between sessions. Yeah. Uh, when I have... Players like Dave and Megan and James, they want to murder bad guys. That is it. They're there for the plot, They're too. They're purging. They're purging. Yes, that, that's what it is. They've had a rough week, and it's time to get the murder on. And Resudan. And Resudan, yeah. yeah. Like, there are specifically some players at the table that need to get the murder on. I don't have the luxury to bore them while other players at the table, like Charlie and Dan and Jamie, are getting into the... Well, I'm going to sit down across from them at the table and stroke my beard. I'm going to wait for them to speak first. Right? Everyone else is like, oh my god, when do we roll initiative? When do we cast these spells? <laughs> I have just leveled up. I have one player who specifically says, I just want there to be at least one random encounter in every session. Okay. I can't do that if we are shopping for the three-hour session. That just is not happening. So That's what I'm saying. you got to build it into it. It's what you find when you're shopping. Yeah, a hundred percent. For those DMs and those parties and those groups who uh, have that issue of your players not being engaged at the table or your players not being not understanding their position at the table, uh, if you have a lot of problem players, I find midweek content could be a way to help remedy that because you have people who come who want to be that central character. They're getting their fix in midweek content. And then when you come to the table, you're part of the team, right? And that person who normally would run the table if there was no other options, now, because they've had that decision, gets to tell his friends all these things he's done and can go from it. So I thoroughly enjoy midweek content. I I understand it's not for everybody, but I encourage all DMs to at least give it a try. Also, we're in the age of Discord where people are running text sessions all of the D&D never turns off mm-hmm. midweek content is just then moving over into a side discord chat right. to do a side quest yeah away from everybody else right or in smaller groups uh, Terry what advice do you have for other dungeon masters who want to engage in midweek content uh, you, you're going to get excited because you're going to want to do the midweek content that you thought about at first, right? Because that's your personality. You're going to be like, oh, it'd be so cool if we could do this. Yeah. But you have to sit back. Same as when you're prepping the game properly, you have to look at what's going to work for other people and, and lean into that. And there's going to be some trial and error if it's a new group or if you're playing with people you don't know very well. There's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. But in prepping midweek content, remember the goal is still to provide enjoyment to other people as well as yourself. So gear it towards individuals. For me, it is about clear communication. 100%. Even if you, oh, you you finished the puzzle box and, and your character has opened up the chest and inside they find a blue diamond and you're waiting for them to have an eureka moment you then have to say that blue diamond is exactly the same color that you saw on the one eye that of that was missing on that dragon mural back in the palace with the right connect those dots because reading comprehension should not be a mandatory part of dungeons (laughs) and dragons yeah and i have more than once relied on other people to figure out that i gave you the answers why do you not know this but people are busy. Dan's at work while he's doing this. Or someone is on a work trip 
right? So they're in a different time zone going back and forth with you. And, and, and someone else is raising their kids or having a conversation with their significant other while they're like, yep, yeah, I, I want to go left. You may have to just connect those dots a little bit more. There's no problem with being a little meta and helping your players along. Yeah. For me, it's don't feel constrained to doing everything through text as well. We've given you guys options for like kinetic puzzles or logic puzzles, but Adam, some of the best midweek we've ever done, we sat across each other, uh, sat across the table from each other with a coffee in our hand and we just talked these things out. Right? Yeah, but I had I mean, a notebook in front of yeah, me. Yeah, keep good notes, but like um, I've done this at work. I Two of my players are people I work with and I've sat with both of them at separate times and been like, you know, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do here? And with their input of who they're interacting with on their pirate ship, I know what threads they're going to be unlocking. I make little notes on my phone and I move on. Okay, so we'll swing back to you, Terry, for the last question here. If your players don't engage in midweek content, you as a DM, you've listened to the episode, we've convinced you, you're in now, you know the, the pitfalls and what to avoid and you're excited to do it and nobody around the table bites. How do you as a DM stay engaged in your world between sessions? I think you can build resources for the players to access when they want to, when it works for them. So you can build up your drive and take pride in that you've found pictures of all of your NPCs. You've maybe found maps, maybe even little notes or trinkets or something that, that are valuable to them. And whatever you're using, Google Drive or OneNote. But you can build up this, uh, this, this resource that still gets you to scratch that itch for the midweek content. It still feels like you're developing things but it's so that the players can access it when it works for them, if they want to, but you still feel like you're doing something. Yeah, just because they're not engaged now doesn't mean they never will be. Yeah. And when they say, oh, uh, which one is that again? You say, well, if you go to the drive. Yeah, boom, there's the link. There yeah. You go. For me, it's all about, I mean, I spend hours and hours and hours on maps, but I also invest in musical choices right. for each one of the players as well. So I'm fleshing out the theme, the tone, the general ideas throughout the world. I love going to a dollar store and building props. Hmm. Absolutely love doing it. Because it's one thing to say, you get a potion of fly and a potion of, of healing. It's another thing to hand a blue potion and a red potion out. Yeah. It's like, here you go, guys. When you cast Identify, I will hand out the labels I've made for them. Yeah. We used to have them. Some people had them in their dice trays. I remember we had some shelves behind us that would have them on. Yeah, Dan's got a pile of them over that corner over yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Oh, the pedal things as well. I remember those. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The I actually went out and spent like a buck fifty at a dollar store to get purple little glass beads. They yeah. were the gems. That's they right. They were the purple gems. And then we give portals. them to you when we use them. Yeah. Um, for me, if if I'm having difficulty with like players not biting, I'm going to try different ways. And one of the ways I've always found works best: grab a little index card when you're setting up the session at the beginning of the session. You hand everybody their own little secret missive that they got, or mission or dream or whatever it is that is secret and you are established these are secrets purely for your character and if you ever want to uh figure it out or uh, investigate that further there will be rewards along that path but like here's this thing give it tangibly to them at the beginning of the session and i have found that that really draws players into it Right now that they have a special mission or special goal that they're working towards at the beginning of every single session, I gave one. Well, that gives them a kickstart as well because yeah. it gets them thinking intensely about the game immediately. 
Right? The, and, I'm reading about this. Oh, God. What's this Like you what's did at the very beginning of the last campaign with the It Is Time letters, right? You write them in different notes or, or you add little, like, this one has blood splatter on it. Why do, Why is there blood splatter on this note that I'm getting, right? It's completely innocuous. There's not, like, it's, it's a shopping list. Why is there blood splatter on it, right? And it, it if brings If they never go of, down that road, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But if they do... They can find out so many things. And I will start it very directly targeted towards their character. You are playing Boyden Wallace, the cleric of the grain, champion of Palor. Cool. Well, you're being handed a bundle of grain saying there is a golden threat, a golden uh, stock inside of all this. It needs to be taken to a church. You are being trusted with this, right? It's stuff like that that I give. If it's targeted, it will pull them into it. And if they just go, okay, well, I'll hold on to it for a while. Okay, then you hold on to it for a while and we'll see what happens with it. Are there any final thoughts from anybody before we wrap this episode up? It's gone a little long, but that's okay, I think. Yeah, um, no, do midweek content. It brings you and your players into the game more. Yeah, it's all about communication. If it's not going the way that you'd like it to or if you're not interested, uh, there, there's ways around it. And there's, it's not that your DM meant anything bad by it. It's likely that uh, it's, there just needs to be more communication. I run a lot of NPCs. And so having relationships between different players with different NPCs can get a little unwieldy sometimes. So one of the things that I like to do for myself is... Uh, when I find the character art, I will also have notes for myself about the NPCs, and I come up with three things. One, what is the relationship with another NPC? Because it just makes the world feel a little bit more fleshed out. Two, what is their secret? And three, what are they willing to do to get their objective? I don't even know what the objective is necessarily, because it could change. But if that cobalt thief is willing to murder, but the half-elf priest is willing to beg... And that's as far as he's willing to go on it. But that guy won't even beg. The barbarian won't even beg. He will intimidate. I have that one methodology that they're willing to do that they will rely on. And that way, as soon as someone engages them in midweek content, I have a secret. I have another relationship. And I have a method they're going to lean on. And I just build it from there. And yeah. I just listen. I listen and react. That's all you need to do. And if you've got different answers for every one of the NPCs out there, everyone will feel different. So that's all for this discussion on midweek content. We've got a million more ideas and arguments about dungeon mastering. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be giving Dan a break and getting a different voice on the podcast to give inspiration about some different kinds of draconic creatures. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most of the podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. If adventuring and D&D was in real life, but you were not an adventurer, these people were just out there in the world, and your job was to be NPC, don't worry about money, money's not an issue, you can survive, you'll be paid well, what would be your real fake life NPC role? Like, what job would you pick up? What job would you be? What NPC would you be? I mean, I, I, I would be an expert specifically uh like i didn't think we were gonna get specifically there i just thought in general well not uh, like the 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 common the 
NPC class expert. They're the craftsman. They're the... He's a guild artisan as well. Yeah, does. right. Like in a so, specific thing. Yeah, I so I, I I don't know. I, I'd build ladders. Ten foot pole. I would build fuck you sticks. That's what I would build. Put an alchemist fire on the end of a ten foot pole. That's not the fuck you stick I was expecting considering your furniture business. No. What about you, Adam? <clears throat> uh, I'd be mayor. Yeah, money's not an option, eh? Mayor's good. I'd yeah, be a quest giver. I, I yeah. like the fact that you got to choose what your job would be in a fantasy realm, and you chose boring carpenter. Not even interesting. Not I'll magical, make ladders. Yeah. I'll make 10-foot poles, as though that would bring you fulfillment in this fantasy world. The fact that I would give somebody a stick that they could smack over the head of their like hated enemy that would explode in a gout of flame brings joy to my heart. You could, yeah, you could do that today, and you would be mayor. <laughs> I, I would I, be... Uh, I'd just be mayor. I mean, obviously my daughter's going to get kidnapped by goblins, but I'm cool with it. <laughs> right? And there will probably well, be... Secretly, you sent the goblins, right? Look, there will just be a point where I will have my own personal superheroes on call when they hit about level 12, right? Right, right. So, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm good to go. That, that I think it, this track so far, and this problem probably will as well, I would be bartender. In the, yeah. I would be the bartender in the tavern as people are coming in. <laughs> Yeah, you, you sit there behind the bar, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bear Grylls, Olivia Munn, and yeah. Danny DeVito, Danny DeVito walk in. Walk in. <laughs> All of these people, yeah. And I would know instantly, even if they didn't come together, I'd be like, you're looking for these people over here. They yeah. also look like superheroes in ridiculous outfits. See the one in the cloak brooding in the corner? I think he's he's with you guys. This guy in plate armor just rolled a stealth check, as though I'm not <laughs> going to see him. <laughs> And uh, Do you guys hear my neck then? Yeah. Fuck. That scared me. Sorry, Adam. I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought I was paralyzed for a second. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.